Hi, I'm Sophie. And I'm Eleanor. And this is the Vena Edit. We're reading, watching, and discussing every adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. <sighs> well, hello again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did just record about half an hour of this episode, <laughs> and then our delightful show mascot, Koshka, um, came in and kind of resulted in us knocking a cord out and we have to re-record the whole thing basically yep, it's all gone yeah um it's yep. not entirely koshka's fault it was also me that kicked the cable out but i am oh, gonna I blame it, was it on koshka well it was one of us but Hello. it was koshka's entrance that caused it so <laughs> you're a menace koshka <sighs> anyway how are you all um oh <laughs> we don't ha- i mean what is the latest in Austin news, Eleanor? There's nothing! There is. There's nothing! I, I, you might have seen on Twitter, I posted a haul of stuff that I bought in some charity shops. I bought some Austin DVDs and books. Um, there was a modern retelling of Emma. There was the Juvenalia of Jane Austen and one of the Brontes. I can't remember which Bronte. And I got a bunch of DVDs. I went slightly wild. And you brought home some Austin DVDs as well. I did. Cool. Thanks for your <laughs> I have nothing to say. <laughs> but apart from that, there's not been an, a lot of Austin updates recently. We haven't seen each other very much because Eleanor's got a new job. Yeah. Um, and I've been reading Sense and Sensibility. That's an Austin mm-hmm. update. I am enjoying it. I think I'm enjoying it possibly more than I enjoyed Emma at the moment. Because I didn't, I don't have any expectations of it. Interesting. Um, when I was reading Emma, I feel like the whole time I, it was very much in my head, like the, the f- film that I'd seen, not the film, the miniseries that I'd seen, yeah. and Emma approved were very much in my head. Whereas Sense and Sensibility, I don't know what it's about and have no expectations. So That's, I'm quite enjoying even that. You have actually seen the miniseries, but Eleanor claims that I saw <sighs> the miniseries when we lived together, but I don't recall. And if I was there. Apparently I blacked out. Yeah, so. probably. Who knows? Maybe... It, I mean, I what's remember. most likely is that I was on my phone, uh, probably looking at Twitter or something and not watching. Which is very rude, I'd like to add. It is very rude. Um, <laughs> and I have no excuse for myself. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Sometimes Austin is boring. <laughs> That's not true, but sometimes if you're not quite in the right mood, watching yeah, no. Austin is like it's hard to to focus on. It's not like watching I don't know Friends or something where you can just kind of put it on in the background and yeah, just, very true. Yeah, but um, yeah, so I'm enjoying that. Those are my Austin updates. Um, Eleanor doesn't have any apparently. No Austin in your life. I've forgotten if I said anything, so. I'm just going to stay keep quiet. referring back to the recording that doesn't oh. exist. Um, yeah. That's about it. So I guess we should just start talking about <laughs> the film that we are talking about today. Oh my god, we had so much more! Please stop talking about the recording that doesn't exist, because that's really going to be boring for them. I'm so sad. I know. There was something we were discussing before we lost the episode that I think was interesting, and that it's worth bringing up again. Okay. Um, which is that uh, we talked about whether Jane Austen is over-discussed. Yeah. Um, I can't remember how we got to that subject, but I do think it is important, like, that we acknowledge, obviously, 
that Jane Austen, just because her novels and the fandom mm-hmm. are discussed so much um, in academia and in the media, that doesn't mean that she's the only woman writer yeah. that exists. Yeah, like I was saying, like there's definitely other women writers who exist and from that time period who exist. Um, like obvious, the obvious uh, ones are Emily and Charlotte Bronte, which both have like one famous novel each compared to Jane Austen's like six very well-read novels. Yeah. Um, but like there had to have been other women writers at the time. Definitely, and there would have been women like Jane Austen who uh, didn't necessarily publicize who they were when they were writing. Yeah. And um, women who took kind of masculine names. Yeah. I think that it does come down to, um, I mean, a lot of it comes down to luck, obviously, but also, like, it is probably um, who is there to tell their story afterwards. Like, Jane Austen's family played a huge role in that and still does. Her living, like, great-great-great-grandchildren or whatever um, are still involved in, like, preserving her legacy and discussing her work. So I think that probably the fact that she was relatively I mean she had money her family was like known ish I think that probably helped yeah yeah absolutely Um, it does just it makes me kind of sad that like yeah there's not other authors that we can look at like her contemporaries like women contemporaries particularly yeah there is one book that I want to bring up in a later episode in this season called the woman of color I think it's called and it was written around a similar time mm-hmm. by a woman, I oh, believe. Nice. Okay. So we we can kind of get into that a bit more. But obviously, no one really talks about that book. Yeah. Definitely not on the scale that it is, like, that Austen's books yeah. are talked about. Yeah. Um, so I think it's difficult to discuss them because the material isn't there in the same way. Yeah, like, and there hasn't been as much, like, academia surrounding it. Like, exactly. Jane Austen is so well studied and discussed yeah and there's so much to it and that perpetuates itself yeah. the more it's discussed the more there is to discuss exactly um so i think i feel that we're contributing something interesting to this <laughs> i hope you agree if you're listening to this i presume you agree yeah um we try to cover like perspectives that we think are important and are like less discussed yeah and we're really looking forward to bringing in some more people of colour's perspective yes. this season, which we severely lacked in in our first season. Yes. Um, and that was it. feedback that we got, yeah. which is totally fair. Um, and I think that once we, like, once I actually looked into it more and did the research, I realised that those stories did exist, and yeah. I didn't know they existed, and didn't necessarily know where to look for them, but they do. So we'll have a few episodes about... Yeah, um, exactly. And, like, our platform's not big, but anything we can do to, like... Yeah. Shed more light on these adaptations, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, and also break down the idea that Austin exists for any particular group or is only relatable to a particular group. Yeah. Like, I think it's fair if some people don't feel like they can relate to it, Um, but I also think that in a lot of ways they are universal stories that can be adapted to a lot of different perspectives and settings mm-hmm. um, yeah I agree and this is kind of one of those stories the episode, the film that we're talking about in this episode mm-hmm. Before the Fall which came out in 2016 is a modern gay retelling of Pride and Prejudice um, like a lot of other adaptations we've done before like Gay Pride and Prejudice and yeah. like um, any story that kind of 
changes the original in any way, Bride and Prejudice, um, is bringing something new to it mm-hmm. and hopefully bringing in more fans and inspiring more writers to tell their own stories. Yeah, definitely. As I just mentioned, <laughs> we're discussing a film called Before the Fall today. Um, it is a gay men story. All the characters are men except for three women, mm-hmm. um, which I mentioned on Twitter the other day. I feel like that caused a scandal, <laughs> um, considering our reputation for being very kind of about Women-centric. the women. Yeah. <laughs> um, One might say. Exactly. But I do think it's really important to talk about gay stories in particular. Yeah. Um, and I, when I was researching this film, because I wanted to read a bit of the background about it, I did read an article that was saying that they felt that this being a gay retelling was not like an interesting enough new angle on the story compared to other stories such as Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which like... I think that I think that if you think a gay love story should just be the exact same as a straight love story then I can see why you would think it might not be an interesting angle but I don't think that gay love stories are the same thing also like gay isn't just an angle no like it's not just a twist on a story like gay love stories deserve to be told too and they have original things that are a part of gay relationships like homophobia no matter how like you exist in the world is going to be a part of your gay relationship if you're in one yeah and that in the story is the barrier to them getting together like as well as classism homophobia plays a huge role and i mean when you see kind of forbidden love stories nowadays that are like straight romances i'm like it's just not realistic yeah (laughs) like it makes sense for this to be a gay story yeah definitely um, and I I think that gay love stories are just different in a lot of ways like you have a different experience of your sexuality and your like romantic attraction um, there are usually more hurdles and more stakes yeah I think that's true and this film the gay representation is not just the two main characters but also um, Ben Bennett's best two best friends are gay men as well yeah who are sort of the, like, Lydia and Kitty representations in the film. So, I mean, I am glad that this story exists. I'm always glad that more, like, gay adaptations of things exist. I think that it is nice to see ourselves in stories that we've cared about when there aren't a lot of, like, gay classics that have the same kind Mm -hmm. of platforms as this story does. Yeah, definitely. Um, And I also think that it brings a new audience to Jane Austen. Mm -hmm. And this film being a a Pride and Prejudice adaptation probably brought more Austen fans to watching it when they might not have watched like an indie film like this otherwise. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm just going to say straight off the bat though, it did take me about half an hour to get used to all the white gay men (laughs) and figure out who was who. Because at one point I mistook some character like 
having sex with someone for the main character, Ben Bennett, and I was so confused for about 15 minutes. We saw a flashback to the character Lee Darcy's childhood, um, and Eleanor thought that the flashback was like a a current thing that was (laughs) happening with the main character, and it was all very confusing. Um, And we're just not used to watching so many men talking to each other for such a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Although that being said, I watched Call Me By Your Name last night and I really enjoyed it, so maybe I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> um, but um, it took me a while to get into it because not only was it a lot of dudes, but they're quite bad at dealing with their feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when we read Gay Pride and Prejudice, which was the gay women's kind of adaptation last year, their feelings were a lot clearer, a lot earlier in the novel. And like, Lizzie's character had already had a gay relationship yeah. like when the novel started um, whereas in this one the two main characters don't express their feelings explicitly to each other until like the very end the last ten minutes of the film yes which <laughs> so Sophie told me that this film was not going to have a happy ending um, and I would like to point out how stressful that <laughs> is when you're watching a romance yeah I mean I didn't no, that it would have a happy ending or not but from the trailer I just got the impression that it might not have a happy ending so I just kind of put that out there um, it made me very stressed although when I looked back at the IMDb page today um, this film is listed as a comedy which I was very surprised by I am quite baffled by that news I think it is much more kind of an independent drama mm-hmm. slash romance there are comedic elements in it but I would not have characterised it as a comedy like the whole way through. I feel like it had a pretty consistently gloomy vibe. Oh yeah, definitely. Like the the funny parts were literally Lydia and Kitty's characters yeah. intruding on the... Lyle and Kitna. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kitlin. Yeah, so it was, they were like uh, the funniest characters. Like they were mm-hmm. the light relief. And then Jane and Bingley's characters a little bit with like quite cute. I think they weren't necessarily explicitly funny. Yeah. But they were cute. They, they were the two the, like, straight angsty... people. Yeah. The yeah. two straight people probably had the easiest relationship in the film. I know, it just caused their problems for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess maybe we should try and track back and explain a little bit about who's who in this film. Mm-hmm. So, as you might have gathered from what we're talking about, the, who we're talking about even, um, Lizzie's character is in this called Ben Bennett. Yeah. And Darcy's character is called Lee Darcy. Yeah. The film opens up with like two men hiking um, up a mountain and then Ben Bennett standing alone on the top of the mountain. Looking very emotional. Looking very emotional. (laughs) And then we flash back to six months earlier. And at this point it's unclear who is who. Yeah. Um, I think it is difficult so even when you said Lizzie's character is Ben Bennett I think this film is very difficult to outline exactly who is who because even though their names are Ben Bennett and Lee Darcy their characters are not explicitly fulfilling the roles that you would expect Lizzie and Darcy to fulfil they have the personalities but they in general fulfil the story arc of the other character yeah so which is interesting like the Ben Bennett character is the rich one yeah um and is the one who causes the problem between Bingley and Jane 
and is also the one who like comes on to Darcy and rescues Darcy from a scandal and also rescues Darcy from a scandal um and he's the one who has the prior relationship with Wickham as well yeah so even though Ben Bennett is the slightly more like upbeat one he's got like family connections he is like Lizzie in personality he does fulfill the kind of more powerful like the Darcy role yeah which is very interesting and I mean when we were watching it the first one you meet is Lee Darcy who uh, is a factory worker and you quickly find out that he's an alcoholic he's in an unhappy relationship with a woman uh, and so I was just thinking like oh this is so grim like poor Lizzie and you know you've realised that it's actually Lee Darcy yeah. <laughs> Um, he like closes his locker and Lee Darcy is on there and we were both like what? yeah I mean I do think that it is important that like the class divide element was kept in it even though Mm -hmm. the like main kind of battle that they face I guess is homophobia yeah but it was just very confusing to process at the beginning when we're trying to pin down exactly who's who and what's happening yeah it is interesting that the class thing is flipped. Yeah. And it's also what causes an issue between Jane and Bingley, but the other way around again. Yeah, because Jane is friends with Ben Bennett and they're both relatively wealthy, and then Bingley is Darcy's kind of entrepreneurial, quite poor friend. Yeah, lives in like a shack. Yeah, bit of a surfer kind of dude. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that the one who is wealthier is still the one who like comes on to the other person first yeah like they and still has have like the power. the power yeah yeah um, yeah like that's flipped and he also i guess has there's kind of a sense of power in the fact that ben bennett is like out as gay mm-hmm. has gay friends mm-hmm. is comfortable in his sexuality so he has like a whole lot of like power and resources that Lee Darcy's character doesn't. He's poor. He's, like, very much closeted. His yeah. girlfriend is very homophobic. And he grew up with a closeted gay father. Yeah. So, like, it's all not going well for Darcy. Nope. And so the way that they meet is also quite, well, not comedic. <laughs> no. Darcy... We were both like, ah! Yeah. So Darcy basically has there's a domestic kind of incident with his girlfriend what you see happen is very like unclear it's not exactly apparent what's happened or like if he's actually pushed her or what but he um is in court ben bennett is a lawyer they happen to be in the same room ben's not associated with his case um and ben makes a comment about how there's some case with like a drunk who had his girlfriend and darcy overhears this and turns around and there's like a very awkward sad moment yeah. <laughs> between these two people who've never met <laughs> um and so that's their first meeting which is kind of the she's not handsome enough to tempt yeah. me moment but they don't even know who each other are yet mm-hmm. and then the next meeting is at a party which yeah is what happens in uh, the original however it's ben bennett throwing the party um, and Darcy shows up with Bingley, and they, like, Ben keeps trying to, like, get on with Darcy and, like, trying to figure out where he knows him from, and then when Darcy leaves, he realises that it's from this court case, 
Um, of which, like, and he realizes he saw him get convicted of um, d- domestic violence, and then he like says, "Oh, he must think I'm the biggest asshole in the world," yeah. which is like a very weird automatic thought to have because if I like met someone, remembered they were like um, convicted of being a domestic abuser yeah i'd be like well i'm never gonna speak to that person again yeah if you think about yourself in that situation someone is at your party who you know was just convicted of convicted of domestic abuse i think you would be like who brought them like yeah. i'm not comfortable with them being here whereas in this situation ben reacts as if he would to someone that might be a love interest or might be in his social circle yeah which is very interesting i feel like it's never really addressed i mean it is never addressed that the characters in this film believe that Lee Darcy was a domestic abuser yeah. and that doesn't really seem to impact anyone's like impression of him. Yeah, I find, I kept I, finding that so odd. I found it weird how his girlfriend was still with him because I assumed they broke up. Yeah, I do think that must have had an impact is the fact that, I mean, Jane Bingley, Darcy, Bennett and then Darcy's girlfriend Kathy DeBerg um all hang out so I guess oh and um Lyle and Kitner as well so I guess how do you treat someone who has been convicted of domestic abuse if you're also hanging out with the person they had abused like maybe that is what impacts it is that she's like forgotten it basically yeah but like he was like charged with a felony yes he was charged with a felony because he was allegedly overheard saying he would kill her so that's a very interesting yeah it's interesting that Ben Bennett's reaction is like oh god he must think I'm a total asshole yeah. it's like I mean <laughs> who cares Yeah. if he's an abuser I'd be like oh well fuck him he's never coming back here again yeah but that doesn't happen so. no. no one sort of like questions the fact that Darcy is still seen as an okay person despite them all thinking yeah that that's like what happened which is interesting because i feel like ben ben in particular does prove himself to be very kind of like politically and like politically aware i would say Mm -hmm. like he challenges homophobic ideas quite directly in the film so the next time they meet after the party is when the group of them go for like a hike in the mountains yeah and this is when kathy de berg is saying how um, she would have never guessed that Ben was gay because he's not flamboyant um, and he's like actually all gay men aren't flamboyant like we're all different people <laughs> and then obviously this is when Lyle and Kittner show up with like a parasol like just the the total like comedic timing of their very flamboyant characters. That was the best bit of the movie. It was good because I enjoyed that they were like challenging like a typical homophobic idea but yeah. they were also allowing there to be a bit of like gay humour in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked that there was, like, different types of gay people and they were allowed to be, like, fun gays who were just, like, gay and single and being silly and also, like, the serious gays. Yeah. And, like, yeah, we saw people who were, like, out and accepted themselves as well as seeing the kind of struggling, closeted storyline. Yeah. So that's good. Like, it's good to see kind of a, a range of representations even just within the one film. Yeah, definitely. I guess we should talk about the scandal with Wickham, because that happens quite early yes. on in the story. Yeah. So, 
Ben gets into, well, I guess a relationship. It's sort of an affair with Wickham. Yeah, who was, Wickham was Darcy's lawyer. Yeah. Ben and Wickham are both lawyers Mm -hmm. that work together a lot, apparently. Yeah. Um, So they sort of, like, embark on this romantic affair. And then Wickham sort of ghosts Ben. And then Ben's like, I'm just going to go to his house and give him some soup or something. Yeah, he was like, (laughs) yeah, because Wickham was supposed supposed to go somewhere and he was like, I'm really ill. Cough, cough. (laughs) I'm sick. (laughs) Exactly. And Ben shows up with soup. Um, And then (laughs) Wickham's children and wife appear. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is a very classic gay trope, I feel. is I mean, it's happening in Riverdale right now, in a sense, where, like, Ugh. Kevin's love interest has a girlfriend and it's, like, on the down low. It does happen a lot, and I understand that it probably does happen in real life as well. Um, but, it, you know, it can be frustrating to always see gay people portrayed as cheaters, I guess. Especially older gay people. Yeah, I mean, gay people are just portrayed as cheaters a lot. Yeah, in TV like and particularly like older gays. Like I never see, like, an older gay like figuring out their sexuality without it having to do with like cheating on a wife or yeah. like leaving their husband. Like it, it's it's always this like very complicated, horrible thing where someone gets cheated on and other people get betrayed, and it's. As soon as yeah. you said older gays, I thought of Grace and Frankie as, like, immediately the first, yeah. like, older gay representation that I would think of. And obviously yeah. the very premise of that is that they were both cheating on their wives for, like, 30 years. Yep. Um, and, and they're in their 70s and they finally, like, leave yeah. their wives. It's tough because, obviously, when, um, I mean, especially men of, like, their age bracket, that probably has happened a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've read quite a few books where that's happened, where, like, that is the premise of it. Like, a wife's husband has realised he's gay, like, 20 years into their marriage. Yeah. Which, like, yes, I'm sure that does happen, but I... I guess with, like, a modern storyline, I'm just a bit more critical of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Because I'm just, like... Because, obviously, we then see Wickham as, like, a bad person, where, like, oh, well, obviously that's awful, he cheated on his wife. Like, this is the scandal that replaces... Um, Wickham having tried to seduce a teenager. Yeah. So, it yeah, it's just it is tough to see that portrayed all the time. Yeah. And especially as like, oh, this is what makes a character evil. Like he cheated on his wife. Blah blah blah. But like, <laughs> when you're gay, it's not just as simple as that. And I hate excusing. I'm not excusing it. I just like I want to examine why it's such a common trope. Yeah. Because obviously it does happen because people don't realise they're gay or maybe even bi. Like, we don't know anything about Wickham's sexuality. Yeah. We just know that he's married, has kids, and has an affair. And... I would like to see a story where that happens and the person gets some kind of redemption and they, like, work it out with yeah. their, like, partner. And, like, we actually see that as a more nuanced thing, I think. Yeah. Because I think at the moment... Like, we either see it from the point of view of the person that's doing the cheating, that, like, oh, they have to be true to themselves. And, like, in Grace and Frankie, like, for them, it's very much, like, it's something they had to do. Like, they weren't happy, but they couldn't face the homophobia. They worked together. Um, and then, eventually, they decided they wanted to get married. Like, yeah. And that's, like, 
a very valid story. Yeah. But then the flip side is that, like, it's an evil person who's cheating on the person they're married to to be gay. Oh, that's yeah. so bad. <laughs> I, I think because I think that you can see both sides of that situation. You can see, obviously, the spouse who's been cheated on is incredibly hurt. And that is, like, truly awful. There is no excusing yeah. the fact that they have been hurt. And then you can also look at how the, like, the gay person has been hurt by, obviously, homophobia. Yeah. And that both parties there were, like, horribly hurt and there was really no winning in that situation. And also, the straight person who was cheated on has also been harmed, like, by extension, by homophobia. That's happened to them because we live in a homophobic society. So, and everyone does make their own choices, but it's just, it's a lot more complicated than someone just cheating when there's also, like, repressed sexuality in there. Yeah. It's nuanced and it's... It's something that I don't want to see represented in the way it's been represented. Yeah. But I'm very glad that Lee Darcy never cheats on his girlfriend in this film. Yes, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I was so glad that didn't happen because that is always my worry. And, like, yes, Kathy is portrayed as, like, an evil person. So if Lee had cheated on her, we probably wouldn't have cared, like, a lot. Yeah. Because we're like, oh, she's garbage. Dump her. But it's still like it. It was nice to yeah. see that he broke up with her before he and Ben even had like a conversation. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So that is the whole kind of Wickham scandal. There is another element of the Wickham scandal later, which mm-hmm. we can come back to. But that is sort of why we see Wickham as a bad person to begin yeah. with. Shall we talk about what's happening with Jane and Bingley? Yes. Yeah. So. Jane and Bingley are kind of dating, I guess. Um, they've all been having like a lot of group hangouts, <laughs> um, which has kind of replaced anyone going on dates and conveniently has allowed Ben and Lee to hang out more, nice. I guess. <laughs> but Ben does talk Jane out of dating Bingley. He says that Bingley only earns like $13,000 a year. <laughs> Um, And he lives in this kind of cabin that doesn't have any running water, which is (laughs) quite random. Um, And so he does kind of break them up. Yeah. Like, Jane... I mean, we don't really see any of her decision-making process in this. They have a conversation, and then she just kind of dumps him. Yeah. And then they have another conversation that Darcy overhears, being like, it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Which... I mean, I I do wish that there was a woman in this film that had, like, slightly more agency, I guess, because Kathy DeBerg, Darcy's girlfriend, only really exists as, like, a homophobic opponent to their relationship. Yeah. Um, Jane is, like, a nice character, but we don't really get... There's nothing to her. There's nothing to her, and we don't even really see her supporting... She has no involvement in supporting Ben, like, or... Um, any involvement in like discussing Ben and Lee's relationship yeah. whereas at least a lot of the stuff that we get of Jane in most adaptations is her talking to Lizzie about like what's going on yeah. with all of their friends and like the relationships we don't really have that in this, Ben just kind of tells his friend Jane to dump this guy <laughs> <laughs> um, and she yeah. does and then as you say Darcy overhears that that happened which causes the big rift between yeah. Darcy and Ben Um. And this then kind of leads into the next Wickham scandal. 
Yep. Which is that uh, Ben is trying to get Lee out of his conviction because it becomes kind of apparent that the neighbor's testimony, the neighbor who got Ben convicted, not Ben, Lee convicted, was actually um, lying about what she heard and saw. And Wickham, who was Darcy's lawyer, knew this and didn't do anything about it. So Ben is trying to find a way to prove that and get the conviction overturned because obviously he doesn't want Lee to be having to do community service and live with like a felony and thinking that he's harmed yep. this woman. Yeah, so everything is quite unclear as well. Like Lee doesn't remember anything. Yeah, because he was he's drunk. Alcoholic. Kathy supposedly doesn't remember anything. Well, she fell and I think it was that she hit her head. So I think that's why she doesn't remember anything. Either that or she's willfully forgetting about it because she just hates her boyfriend. Yeah. It's an odd relationship. It's a very odd relationship. I mean, it seems to me that she knows that he's gay from the beginning because she comments on the fact that they haven't been having sex. Yeah. So, like, I think it's... She always kind of knows. And I don't... I mean, I don't know, because I'm not a homophobe, but I don't imagine that you would want to be in a relationship with someone you believed was gay and wasn't Maybe she just thinks, like, he's got, like, gay thoughts, but he's actually straight. Because that's sort of what she implies at the end. Do straight people have gay thoughts? I don't know, I'm not a straight person. I know, but that's- I feel like if you have gay thoughts, then maybe you're a little bit bi, probably. Like, or you're just, like, a gay. Like, I don't- I mean, I don't <laughs> I mean, know anyone- probably. My only experience of it is thinking I was straight and having gay thoughts. Yeah. So. I don't know anyone who is straight who has had gay thoughts. And if or they've told- to having well, gay thoughts. if they've thoughts. told me they have gay thoughts, then I'm like, I mean, what do you think that means, friend? <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, I don't really understand why she stays with him, but she does. Yeah. Um, and Ben wants to overturn this conviction that's obviously a lie and presumably hoping that that leads to Lee getting out of this weird relationship. <laughs> so, that, I mean, this is the next Wickham scandal, is the fact that Wickham knew yeah. that this um, conviction was fraudulent, basically, and he allowed it to go through just because he gets paid, he gets legal fees, so he doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't really care about the outcome, he just wants the dollar. Exactly. Um, which I'm sure does happen, but, you know, it's a very unpleasant storyline. Yeah. Apologies if you can hear this purring happening. Koshka has suddenly gotten very affectionate. Yeah, she's decided she likes me today, and she's she's just headbutting now you. nuzzling me. Um, it's kind of, oh yeah, I'm getting licks. She did try to lick me, but I shook it off. <laughs> we kind of yeah, so we're ramping up towards the ending at this point. When the conviction is overturned, uh, Kathy comes to see Ben, and she's just like. Uh, I don't know if you think that this means anything, like, uh, stop pursuing my boyfriend, he's not interested, he thinks he's having gay thoughts because of you, like, I mean, she gives him all the information he needs to get yeah. together with <laughs> so Lee, like, my boyfriend has a crush on you, but don't go after him. Yeah. Like, be serious. <laughs> yeah, she says a lot of homophobic things, she uses the F slur. Yeah. Which um, we had like, a few too many times. Yeah. And she, like, accuses him of being predatory and all the kind of classic 
gay stereotypes. Yep. Uh, but for Ben, I mean, he doesn't really seem to react to the homophobia. I think he's probably very used to it as, mm. like, an out gay man in the South. Um, but he does react to hearing that Lee maybe fancies him. Which is nice. <laughs> I feel like this was the point where you started to get into the movie. <laughs> I, yeah, because at this point I was like, gays that might be happy? This is what I want. Also, at some point around this time, Jane and Bingley get back together. Um, yeah, but then, <laughs> Irrelevant to... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's relevant to causing the rift between Lee and Ben, yeah. but I don't massively care about their relationship. No. Which is, no, I, don't, I don't think in many adaptations you do massively. No. But, like, I like them. I like them. But there's... In this adaptation, there's, like, no... I feel nothing about either of them. Neither of them have any character development. I think that we're more interested in the gay storyline in this film, and so it's not necessarily as necessary to get any extra time spent on a relationship that's not the central relationship. Whereas in a lot of other adaptations they focus more on like the Bennett family element and like different yeah. relationships in the film yeah. like this doesn't really that's true this isn't that kind of story I guess this is purely about the romantic relationship yeah and um, then the after hearing that Darcy has Darcy likes him <laughs> Ben decides to go for a hike yeah, a As lot of hiking in this film. There is a lot of hiking. I like it. I mean, I think hiking is gay culture. So yeah, me too. I mean, the, the only times that, like, Ben and Darcy have, like, spoken and gotten along is, like, on hikes. Yeah. Which is adorable. You know, shared interests is always nice. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so Ben goes on a hike, and Darcy also goes on the same hike. <laughs> and Suspicious. they, like, meet at the top. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, they have a conversation, which is very awkward, and yeah. at this point, I wasn't convinced, I still wasn't convinced the ending was going to be happy, because Lee, was is, Lee is still very much like, uh, I'm not gay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> very much still repressing it, and I was, like, looking at the clock, I was like, that's like ten minutes to go yeah. in this film. I was like, this film is literally over, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, and he storms off down the hill. Yeah. Well, Ben is like... You like me. Yeah. <laughs> but Darcy's having none of it and he storms off. And Doesn't he call him the Epsler or was that earlier? I think it's earlier in the film. Difficult to remember. Yeah, I can't recall because the Epsler was used so many times. But he storms off and you and I were basically like full anxiety <laughs> thinking he wasn't going to come back. Ella I was, was so stressed. Ella just kept screaming at the screen. She was like, turn okay, around. I was not screaming. You said turn around like 10 times okay. and I was like, he's either going to turn around or he's not. I was stressed. <laughs> you made me so stressed. And also at this point, I was very like invested in this relationship. Yeah. Partly because like it's a Pride and Prejudice adaptation and you always want Lizzie and Darcy to get together at the end and if they don't get together at the end, what's the point? Yeah, I mean, we haven't had one where they haven't got together. I oh wonder gosh. if such a, such a story exists. I hope not. But anyway, we were invested at this point, um, very much hoping they were going to get together, and they did. Yeah, and this is sort of like, I feel like you get, like, the dawning, like, of realisation on Darcy's face, like, oh, I'm gay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which must be tough, considering yeah. all of the obstacles he's faced to get to that point. Yeah. Um, but obviously he's faced with someone who's done a very good thing for him, and who he's been getting along with, and 
has been like making him feel like good and validated which his girlfriend never ever did yeah she was garbage yeah and then so when you actually get to then see them kiss it's very satisfying partly yeah. because we weren't sure if it was going to happen so it was a really <laughs> yeah but it was also, a very good kiss as well it like, was yeah Darcy goes back up the mountain and they just like come together it's really cute yeah it's a, it was yeah it was a very committed kiss which I enjoyed there wasn't yeah. any kind of like awkwardness to it which is probably unrealistic because Darcy's never kissed a man before <laughs> We presume, but... Maybe in his dreams. In his dreams, probably. He's been thinking about Ben Bennett. <laughs> but it was very sweet, very satisfying ending. That was it, basically. Yeah. I do think that the characters' names were the only thing that strongly tied it to Pride and Prejudice, and it could have existed without being an adaptation, considering how many changes were made. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if it wasn't marketed as an adaptation, some people would be like, oh, this, like, really reminds me of Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Because of the, like, misunderstandings and difficulties that come between them. I mean, I don't know if any of the film had to be, like, cut out because of, like, time things, Mm -hmm. so maybe it would have been more explicit in other ways. I do think there are some elements of the film that if you weren't thinking of Pride and Prejudice and expecting certain things to happen you would not think that certain parts of the story made sense fully. Yeah. Because, like, the example earlier where his reaction to seeing Darcy was like, oh, he hates me. At first, I was... That seemed normal because I was thinking of them as Darcy and Lizzie, like, people who run in the same social circles, who are supposed to fall in love. But if, if this wasn't a Pride and Prejudice story and you saw that reaction, you'd be like why the fuck has he said that? Yeah. And I think there's a couple of other times when there's like, I don't know, like a weird kind of emotional leap or a bit of a plot leap that doesn't necessarily make sense, but we accept it or excuse it because we know it's supposed to happen because it's grown prejudice. Yeah, definitely. I agree. So, (sighs) yeah. I mean, I did enjoy this film. Mm -hmm. Should we do ratings? Yeah, I guess we should. It's been a while. We should do ratings. So, how do we feel about the character portrayal? How much they embodied their characters? Uh, <laughs> they they didn't very much. I mean, one thing that got me was, like, the Kitty and Lydia characters yeah. were clearly named wrongly. Oh, yeah. The one who was more, like, outgoing in the leader was Kitna. Yeah. Yeah, which you wouldn't have thought. Yeah. It was odd. But then that's the same as with Lizzie and Darcy. Their names yeah. were kind of swapped in terms of But, like, of their who... personalities were generally, like... That's in the true. sense that it's, like, broody and judgy. Yeah, broody and judgy. <laughs> the two that's, moves. Yeah, that, that's my new Pride and Prejudice adaptation. <laughs> yeah. A Snow broody White and Seven Dwarves version of Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> I... I actually think that they did embody the essence of the characters. Like yeah. you said, in terms of the personality, like that Lee Darcy was a very Darcy esque character. He was very like kind of isolated, but he obviously did have a lot of feelings underneath all of the kind of yeah. cold exterior. Yeah. And Lizzie was a judgmental person, but had a lot of like social connections and cared about people. So I I did feel that. I I did feel the same dynamic there. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think that was good considering how far away from the original story it yeah. is. Yeah. I think that was that was an impressive like 
development of their characters. Yeah. It was it was interesting. Um, hotness of main couple. How did you feel? I thought Lee Darcy was fit. Um, yeah, me too. And I thought Ben Bennett was fit, but not my type. Yeah. So agree. like, so I was like, I think Lee Darcy was more my type, but I think they were both attractive. Yeah, people. Agree. How many times does Darcy stare lovingly at Lizzie? Not, not really. Not like ever. I. Th- it was the other way round yeah. actually, because there were a few times when Lizzie looked at Darcy like. I mean, Ben looked at Darcy like he was really into him. Yeah. And I was like, that's quite an obvious romantic <laughs> or sexual look. Um, so, but I think that still counts. Yeah, definitely. So, a few times. Yeah. Okay. How white slash straight is this adaptation? The most white. It was, yeah, entirely white, but yeah. very gay. So. But so very, very white for a modern adaptation. Like. Yeah, that's true. I mean... One that came out in 2016, you'd expect, like, a little more diversity Yeah, I guess their argument would be that it was, like, southern and they were rich. So I guess... Some of them weren't rich. Bingley could have been black. That's very true. But I guess then... you can have rich black people. (laughs) Yeah, no, 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 but I'm saying that would be the argument. Yeah. Stereotypically. And I... I mean, I yeah, definitely. It it was a very white film. I I guess maybe sometimes I would question whether if you're gonna introduce, like, say, if Darcy or Bennett had been black, if or actually Jane or Bingley, because part of their relationship is that kind of power imbalance, like they deal with classism and they deal with homophobia. I do think that they couldn't have dealt with race. And I guess it... Well, they they could have, but they I don't know if they would have dealt with yeah. race. I don't know if they would have done it well, either. So I guess it depends whether it would have been better to just, like, see people of colour in the film. Or it's better that they were white because the race aspect might not have been handled. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how people of colour would feel about that. But either way, it, it was, yeah, a very white film. Yeah music and dancing um i don't think there was any no not really it was a very unmusical film the music like the background music was very like typical indie like it was mostly yeah, just sad quite sad good music but yeah sad. it was it wasn't like a major feature i guess of the film yeah fashions uh, and is darcy ever wet darcy is he ever wet not that i recall no but i mean there's lots of kind of nature walking which is yeah. nice um, fashion, I don't remember noting fashion at any point except that Ben wore a lot of suits. Yeah. So I remember nothing else. It didn't really impact me in terms of their characterization, I guess. Yeah. You know, going back to the hotness of the main couple, I thought Bingley was really cute. He was. He was very like blonde, clean cut American boy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Lizzie's dad wasn't in it. Doesn't exist, yeah. Because they're adults, I guess. I'm an adult. I have parents. Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of adaptations, they still live at home. Yeah, like true. The, these guys were, like, in their 30s, I'm hoping. Yeah. It would be really embarrassing if they were in their 20s. I just said <laughs> that they were, like, ancient. They're not. But, like, they're 702. But they're, <laughs> they're, old, <laughs> they're old enough where in a modern adaptation it would not necessarily make sense, at least yeah. on Bennett's part, to be living with his parents. Yeah, fair. How believable is the plot adaptation? We've kind of covered that in that mm-hmm. how much it is 
like true a true adaptation of the story I don't know but it's a I think it's a good story like it's yeah, an interesting story whether or not it's a kind of directly believable adaptation of it I think it's an interesting and unique adaptation yeah and I think like it I mean it it pretty clearly comes from like lived experiences that are being portrayed in the film as well so I think that was yeah it was interesting yeah it was it was nice to see I really I really enjoyed the fact that it exists yes I think so and I guarantee that there are like gay men who like Austen and who loved the film yeah chemistry between all chemistry I mean I did enjoy when Jane and Bingley first met there was like a funny like yeah. ding noise like a romantic <laughs> comedy kind of noise I thought their relationship was sweet I thought I mean I was rooting for the main couple yeah so yeah I think there was chemistry there yeah I agree misogyny well I mean we have somewhat covered that this film wasn't great for women yeah it definitely didn't pass the Bechdel test no but I guess I guess that is often something that happens in stories about gay men is that Mm -hmm. because I mean I guess it happens a bit in stories about gay women as well towards men is that because they're portraying more of like very particularly like a love between people of the same gender the other gender sometimes gets kind of cast off in comparison because you're focusing on like the importance and significance Mm -hmm. of this particular love so I do think that happens a lot in films about gay men or lesbians Uh, but yeah women were not really enormously represented in this film no (sighs) so we have to rate it out of 10 now. Okay. I always feel surprised when I come to this bit and I have never prepared my rating in advance. I never prepare. I'm always trying to think of it when we talk about this and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give this film a 7 out of 10. That's what I was going to give it. You're also allowed to give it the same okay. score. We can be like Rachel and Zumbo and Zumbo's Just Desserts where they always give the exact same fucking score and you're like, what was the point of that? Um... Yeah, I I would settle on a seven because I feel like, I mean, it's in like the top end of the ratings. I enjoyed the film. I think it's an important story. Yeah. Um, As we've kind of just said, I would just maybe dock it for representation of women. And also I think sometimes the plot I felt was held together by our understanding of the story. Yeah, definitely. Um, So those were kind of my criticisms, I guess. And I think... Sometimes the film didn't really know what it was. Like, the fact that it brands itself as a comedy on IMDb is interesting to me. And, like, it did have, like, very comedic moments, but it's also quite a dramatic film. Yeah. And, like... I guess I don't necessarily know how and why films are categorised the way they are. If it's something to do with, like, funding or, like, awards they can go in for. Yeah, I don't know. Ma- but I, I do... I, I did at some points feel like I was watching two different films. Like, there were different... When, when there was Jane and Bingley stuff happening and, like, the Kitty and Lydia stuff happening, it felt like a completely different thing to when Darcy and Ben would, like, go on hikes together. Yeah. Sometimes their relationship did feel, like, slightly removed from the rest of yeah. it. Yeah. Because it never took place, like, in the context of other people being there. 
But I guess you can't avoid that yeah. when they're like one of them yeah. is closeted. But it was yeah, yeah. I I enjoyed it, but I think a seven out of ten is yeah same rating. Yeah, so, yeah. So I mean, I would recommend watching it. If mm-hmm. you're a Pride and Prejudice fan, I've recommended probably most of the adaptations we've watched, but that's because <laughs> few of them, I feel like, have genuinely been bad, like, yeah. adaptations. Yeah. Um, I think there is stuff you can gain from this film, like, thematic ideas you can pick mm-hmm. up on that will make you reflect on the story in different ways. Um, it definitely made me reflect on, like, the power dynamics between Lizzie and Darcy mm-hmm. and, like, who has the power and why, I guess. So... Yeah, I definitely thought it was interesting. And if you haven't seen it, you should go watch it. And if you have, you should also tell us what you thought of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to hear... I mean, a gay man's perspective on it would be interesting. Like, I'm interested to hear what how you feel about this kind of representation. If it's the kind of movie you want, or if there's another kind of representation that queer men are looking for. Because I know we talk a lot about the representation that we're looking for as queer women. Yeah. But buying gay men, like, I don't know how they feel. Yeah. I think there's a very fair argument to be made on the point of, like, we want our own stories to be told Mm -hmm. and not just to retell, um, like, queer versions of existing stories. Yeah. I think both things are very important, but I know that some people will feel strongly about, like, um, gay stories should be written about gay people. Yeah. Although I do think this did that, like, it changes the plot a a lot and, like, enough that I think it is, like, a gay story. It's not just a gay version of a straight story. Yeah, definitely. But we would love to hear from you. Yeah. Um. Uh, Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at The Bennett Edit. Uh, You can like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Bennett Edit, and you can email us anytime, thebennettedit at gmail.com. Um, we're always interested to hear from you never think that like anything you say could be too small or not interesting because I love to get emails um, or tweets <laughs> whatever please talk to me I'm alone um, but yeah I probably won't look at it unless Sophie tells me to I I will probably be the one responding to you but that's fine because I'm the funnier one anyway I produce our good meme content if you've seen any of it it's all me so what, 35 retweets and you're so much funnier exactly. than me now exactly I'm so have you ever made a meme on any of our accounts because I've made at least no. three exactly <laughs> so go follow us for like the annual meme that I create the annual meme um and the meme yeah. of 2018 is done so That's you it. might as well not follow us All until 2019 over. no please follow <laughs> us uh and please talk to us also it's nice to hear from you yeah you can leave a review on iTunes um we were Love to hear back from you. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.